Hey guys, uh, before we get started on this episode, I just want to make a quick correction. In this episode, we reviewed The Martian, and I made the really erroneous claim that um, the weekend box office take for the movie was $100 million. Uh, That was, uh, I, I think I referred to it as domestic, which is vastly, vastly not correct. Um, the actual box office take was around $55 million domestic, and then the... Um, the worldwide box office brought the total, or, or the foreign box office brought the worldwide box office to almost a hundred million. So uh, that's incorrect in the episode, and uh, hope you guys enjoy it. This is Matt Hurt, at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. <laughs> Go ahead. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter, and this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. random i don't know why I do, oh my god okay well anyway uh thank you for listening to the latest episode of the obsessive Euro. we're a weekly movie and tv podcast that covers a specific topic be it genre trope movie or show each episode you can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com and check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com and if you're if you were in the indianapolis area um, on October 16th, we're putting on a show at the Irving Theater in Irvington. It's called Shocktober in Irvington. We're going to be screening short horror films from local filmmakers, going to be having Q&As with the filmmakers, and also doing giveaways and raffles and all kinds of stuff. It's uh, 8 bucks to get in the door cash or 5 bucks if you have a, a ticket from the Irvington uh, Ghost Tours. Um, you can find more information at shocktoberandirvington.com. All the money we make is going to be going straight to the Irvington Historical Society. It's going to be a blast. Again, that's October 16th at the Irving. Um, all right, so this week we're talking about The Martian, and we have a guest. Uh, it's Robert Feckus making his sixth appearance as a guest on the podcast. Six. Wow. Yes. Wow, that's... He's I, did, be, I didn't realize I've been on that many times. Yeah, he's got to be our most common guest, right? I believe so, yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, so thanks for coming on. Absolutely. <laughs> thanks talk for having me again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so how's it going? Tiny, how, how are you doing? I am terrific. Good, good. It's been cold lately. I love it. Yeah, me too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and Fekas, have you? Is, that, is your tattoo completely It, it is complete. I have uh, had my last session a couple of weeks ago, and no one can see it at work. Because it offends people, but I, <laughs> I'm highly satisfied with it. Nice. Um, got about twenty two hundred dollars invested in that Holy lower portion crap. of my arm. So good lord. Wow. Yep. Well, if you listen to the, I believe it was the Interstellar episode, is when or I don't know if it was the Interstellar episode. I actually think it was College Movies episode. Um, you mentioned it. That was when you first uh, mentioned it. Yeah, it would have been the College Movies episode because uh, I hadn't even thought about getting this uh, back with the Interstellar <laughs> one. So okay. Wow. Well, congratulations on it. We'll post pictures on the Facebook page. Cool, cool. Yeah. And the links to that will be in the show notes. It's very colorful. Uh, it, it is. It I, is. That, I was a huge fan of that. At, when he started putting in kind of the neon green and yellow stuff, I, at first I kind of balked at it because I told the guys, like, hey, look, the background's you. Do what you want to do. And yeah. uh, he, when he started putting in, like, the neon stuff, I was like, yeah. Then a week <laughs> later, I was like, okay, it works. It <laughs> makes the rest of it pop. Yeah. yeah. That, that's what we thought, too. So yeah. I'm sh- huge, huge fan of it. So Audio cool. podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, so really cool and check it out on the Facebook page and in the show notes if you will allow us to absolutely you. sweet so I can be nude right I mean that's how that oh works. yeah totally okay. yeah preferred actually <laughs> alright <Yeah. laughs> so today on the podcast we're going to be talking about The Martian 
uh, the latest movie from Ridley Scott. It's an adaptation of uh, Andy Weir's breakout uh, hard sci-fi novel, The Martian, of the same name. Which is an action? Do you, are you, have, you, have either of you guys read the book? No, no. Okay. But I'm probably going to start soon because my wife keeps uh, she's she's dying for me to read it. So nice. I, I read it uh, earlier this year, and I actually reviewed it on obsessivebooknerd.com. And uh, man, it's so good. It's uh, it was really good, and it's really fascinating because Andy Weir he uh, he's got. I think that he started it as like a serialized, like kind of like series of like little bits and pieces here that he posted online. I think it was on his personal uh, webpage. And then when people were, I think when it was completed, everyone was like, yeah, you got to put it on Amazon so we can buy it and all that. And then he like threw it up on Amazon for the lowest price yeah, he could for, possibly for 99 do. Cents. 99 cents. Yeah. And then, uh, it became a huge hit. <laughs> what's what's his background? What's his? Does he have a science I, background? Or I don't know. I don't remember. I feel like but, I feel like I don't know where I'm pulling this out of, but I, I feel like someone I'd heard say that he's not like uh, like he doesn't really have a strong science background. It's just like mm-hmm. a hobby for him. And apparently, yeah, I think uh, I can't remember. I I I can't say with any certainty what he was doing or whatever. But I think that he he just was a fan of science. But um, I think if, if I'm remembering correctly, at the end of the book, there's a little like Q and A section um, uh, pages in that. And that must be pretty one sided for the reader. <laughs> yeah, he's nice. <laughs> um, but I think like one thing that stuck out to me, and I might be butchering this, and I'll check it because I have the book in my in my room right now. But I, at the end, it says. Uh, one of the questions is Star Trek or Star Wars, and he said Doctor Who. <laughs> nice. I was like, "That is awesome." So that's why you gave it such a glowing review, then. Yeah, and it's funny because, and then, uh, a f- like a month ago or so, I sent him a message just on Facebook saying, "Like, hey, I really like The Martian, and if you want to be on a podcast, you know, you know, we're here." Uh, but he he said that he was too busy, which makes sense. That makes, that makes you know, sense. Yeah. It's nice enough to respond. Yeah, yeah with actually, a personal yeah. response. Oh, yeah. I was very personal happy. brush off. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, anywhere, if you're listening, I, I love your work. Um, anyway, uh, so before we get started on our actual discussion of the movie, how what uh, what circumstances did you guys see it in? And if you don't mind, I'll go first. I actually went to a, uh, a screening of it last Tuesday night. Uh, before it came out, and this, it was one of those like GoFobo screenings, and no one I knew could go. Like neither one of you could make Sorry. it. Yeah, my brother couldn't make it. Um, no one could go, so I was there by myself. And then I, I, really... I actually Cassie was dying to see it, so I was like, "Are you free?" And Cassie, <laughs> Cassie's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> she would have happily gone with you. Yeah, well, you know that's the problem of Tuesday night screenings. Right. Yeah. Um. So no one was available to go, so I went by myself, which was fine. And uh, I really had to pee the entire time. That might be too much information, but it made the intensity of the movie a lot more. So the dramatic uh, sequences yeah, really stuck it out. It was such a ticking <laughs> clock. Um. But yeah. So that's that's the that's the. That's the circumstances under which I saw it. It was a packed theater, obviously, because those, those screenings are really packed. So I got to share space with some strangers, and it was not that awkward. Did you have that armrest battle? Who uh, the armrest? A little bit. Not really, though. I just kind of, I just kind of sat like kind of. Oh, you were the passive my hands. one. I was. I'm always the passive one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so how about you guys? Uh, uh, Tiny, how did you see it? Uh, I saw it yesterday, being Sunday. Nice. Um, I saw it. It was a night. It was actually a night viewing. I wanted to do like a matinee but the colts game was yesterday so uh they ended up winning so that was nice nice um but yeah i just i saw it last night um s- relatively full theater actually nice. i was kind of surprised i think I, I meant to look at how it did financially over the weekend it won, it won. 
100 million. Nice. Yeah. That's fan- I'm so happy to hear that. And I want to um, say an additional 55 million overseas, but that might be in I don't know. Wow. Oh, that'll, <laughs> that's great. that'll skyrocket overseas then. Oh yeah. Well, that number doesn't surprise me cuz uh, skyrocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> uh, I wish I was that clever. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, I'm not surprised at that number cuz even last night at a 620 showing, a standard definition era you know it wasn't 3d just regular nice. yeah um, i forgot to mention i saw it in 3d you saw oh, it in you 2D? did yeah. i saw it in 2d i specifically okay. only wanted to see it in 2d nice. um, yeah so that was that was the way i saw it nice Fekus, how about you uh me and the wife went to go see it on friday night um it wasn't as crowded as i was expecting oh, uh, which kind of surprised me uh we, were, we went to a I wouldn't say late showing. It was probably around six, six-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw 3D, which, and the only reason we did was because time constraints. And I'll continue to say this added nothing to the film for me. Yeah, 3D is just so, spoiler alert for the discussion. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, but yeah, it wasn't that crowded. But early evening uh, show, me and the wife. So nice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. Cool. Uh, so how about just broad, broad strokes, and then we'll get into the actual discussion. I, for one, love the movie. Um, I struggled to write a review for it because I was kind of just not really feeling writing a review. Uh, just I was busy. But um, I did finish the review, and I rated it like 9.0 out of 10. Nice. And uh, I just I loved it so much. Uh, even coming from, from someone who read the book, um, I, was, I really appreciated the way that the script just followed the beats of the, the beats of the book as well as captured the – what was so endearing about Mark Watney as a character, because in the book he's, it's all uh, uh, an epistolary story, and that's that comes across in the movie as a as a video log that he's that he's sent that he's recording throughout the throughout his whole adventure. But um, in the book, he he has such a such an, a unique sense of humor, and that came through really well in the in the movie, and I really appreciated that from um, Drew Goddard's script. So, how about you guys? Uh, who wants to go first? I can kick it off just to keep the turns nice. going. Right. Um, <laughs> I will give you the broadest stroke possible. Okay. Currently, my movie of the year. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. That's it. I'll. It that's that'll be my <laughs> broadest stroke possible. Currently, it, my movie of the year. It might be mine too, actually. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd say if you're going to see one movie with Matt Damon stranded on an island co-starring Jessica Chastain, uh, go see Interstellar. No, 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 I'm j- just joking. Just joking. Um, Interstellar? I've been, I haven't seen it. I, uh, I, I didn't love it as much as you guys did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, I think it was a little too hyped up for me. Okay. And it didn't hit the... Uh, hit the mark that I was expecting. I, I enjoyed it, thoroughly enjoyed it. I just I don't I don't know if I'd even I might put it in my top ten, but it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't break my top five. But Okay. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Uh this will be a fun discussion then. Yeah. yeah. And um, it's just it's little little things. I'm I'm probably being too nitpicky on it, but uh there's just a couple things that bother me. I will say that there are specific reasons why I didn't mark it like nine point five or nine or or ten. So mm-hmm. so we'll get into that in a bit. I um, would say if I'm gonna get a number value, I'd say seven point five to eight. Pro- okay. probably closer to eight, but Okay, cool. So Fekus's sixth and last appearance on <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um so I, I don't really have much in terms of notes. Um, what? How did you guys feel about the um, just the visual style of it? Because this is the second 
Um, or this is the uh, this is the second space sci-fi movie that Ridley Scott's made in the last couple of years. The first one being uh, Prometheus, and that, I think that that was his first like space movie since Alien. Since, like, Alien, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's kind of interesting that he would go back to this template um, so so quickly too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and he's also working on Alien Paradise Paradise Lost. Lost. God, which you know, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the visual style, yeah, yeah. It's I'm glad you mentioned Ridley Scott because uh, he's a pretty distinct director, and I think he has a style that kind of stands out. And I really didn't, I didn't feel that in this movie. And I, I agree. I mean that in a positive way, though, because I, I think when you do that, it can be a great thing. But sometimes it sort of feels like you're kind of waiting for the director to pull out his tricks, mm-hmm. or or you know, draw from his 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 barrel of visual. You know, cliches. Not and cliches is a, not the right word, but you know, visual cues. Um, and and it's, like I said, sometimes that's nice, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I didn't really feel a lot of Ridley Scott in this movie, which is kind of maybe that speaks volumes to um, the author. I forget his name. What did you say his name was? Andy Weir. Andy Weir. Um, or just the 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 screenwriter uh, Drew Goddard. Um, maybe maybe that speaks volumes to them and the 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 visual effects team and the 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 actors, but uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't really feel that, and it didn't bother me at all. Um, and, and it was it was pretty cool to see a space movie that really wasn't about space so much. Right. You know, it's just just about this guy trying to make it. You know, um, it felt very intimate. It did. It, it yeah. was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very intimate. Um, and and not like not voyeuristic at all. It had that. It had such a um inclusionary feel to it. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, it, you know, it felt like it, you know, with the style of Matt Damon's character, uh, Mark Watney, like looking into the camera and mm-hmm. it's like, he wants us to join him on his journey. And it's, it's, it really just felt like you're supposed to be part of the movie. And I felt like that way the whole time. Okay. So nice. Thanks. what do you think of the visuals? Uh, well, I, I agree with tiny. I, I didn't see a lot of, uh, Ridley Scott in it and I'm not going to say it's a problem, but I, I like his visual styling, so I, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. When I walked out of the theater, I kind of thought to myself that that was uh, – I felt like something Spielberg could have done just fine. And I think I would have felt that that would have been a Spielberg film. I, it didn't strike me as a really Scott film when I walked out of it. And I it, I like walking out of a really Scott film and be like, yeah, that was that was Ridley. Um, <laughs> I. I was one of the bigger defenders of uh, Prometheus because to me that that was that was very Ridley Scott film. So yeah, me too. But the um, but, but the visuals were fantastic. Uh, the the sweeping uh, camera angles of of Mars were really well done. I, I enjoyed all the uh, especially towards the end of, ender ender part of the movie towards <laughs> the latter portion of the movie with uh, with them going up into the sp- in space I, mm-hmm. I thought that was actually shot really well mm-hmm. so no i i really enjoyed the uh visuals of it i just i didn't get this distinct feeling that i'm watching really scott film that makes sense yeah i i was really just taken in with the with the visuals of it like like you said the sweeping sweeping landscape of mars and and all the space shots and and um Really, the Earth, or the Earth scenes I could kind of give or take, but um, <laughs> seeing the actual, seeing like the NASA operations and JPL right. working together and stuff like that. I mean, that that had, had its own like visual tone and visual cues and everything. But I was just really into the Mars uh, visuals of it. Like the there's just wide shots of Mars um, through different points of the movie, 
and n- none of them are repetitive. None of them seem boring or anything. Yeah, like that. yeah, I agree with that. Um, it was just such a such a beautiful movie, such mm-hmm. a beautifully made movie. But um, they featured so many of the features of Mars. Yeah, the trench. I don't rec- remember what it's called. The it's sure. like ten times bigger. <laughs> I, yeah, than, I know. Like what ten you're times about. bigger than the Grand Canyon right. or something like yeah. that. And then they showed Olympus Mons, the largest large volcano in, in the solar system. in the solar system. Yeah, yes. so. I did not uh, look into my Mars stuff. <laughs> I didn't bone up on my Mars stuff for this. I Damn. Well, they hit it pretty hard in Futurama, so. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I didn't really, I, I, guess I, I, I guess I would say I didn't really see Ridley Scott in it either, but that didn't detract from the experience for me or anything right. like that. Um, I thought it was still a well a well executed visual style for it. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I would never take anything. It was a beautiful film. Can't, yeah. I can't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think, deny that. I don't think it detracted at all. I I just noticed yeah. it. It was just yeah. a feature of the movie. You know, it's right. kind of different that way. Okay. Um. So this movie kind of takes a, a, a like three distinct like uh, areas of of the to focus the narrative on. There's Mark on on Mars. There's um, his crew on their ship that are, that has just left Mars, and then there's the whole Earth eth- effort to bring him home. How did you guys feel about the movie managing those three? distinct perspectives throughout the movie and juggling them because I personally thought that this movie could have sustained itself as just a Mark, Mark Watney vehicle, just mm-hmm. strictly from Damon's performance. I agree. Um, kind of castaway ish. Yeah. Castaway 127 hours in space. Yeah. Um, but I felt like the going back and forth between those kind of three different uh, perspectives and everything was a really great narrative structure for the movie. And it worked really well in the book um, as well. So what'd you guys think of it? I, I loved it too. I mean, I, I from a writing perspective, I really can't find any faults with it. Um, maybe that's just you know I just saw this yesterday and haven't really had a lot of time <laughs> to process it. Um, I, I feel like I've given so many knee jerk reactions to things this Tiny's year. Tiny's watching it on his phone right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it it just it felt like just like a borderline flawless movie to me. I, just, I I'm trying to find errors and and places and and. Uh, and one of the things I loved about it was was the the narrative structure. I, mm-hmm. I I thought the balance was great. I felt you know as soon as I would start to feel like a little bit of despair when we were watching Mark Watney trying to survive, yeah. um, they would switch it to something on Earth or or something like that. Um, I mean, I guess I could say that the the whole um, the Ares ship, which is the primary kind of space stationy ship, Hermes. Per- Hermes. Hermes, Hermes, yeah. Ares um, was the uh, mission. Ares uh, were the missions, yeah. correct. Sorry about that. That's Hermes. Um, yeah, I, I thought that was... There wasn't a lot of it, really. Um, I mean, I felt like most of the first act and almost the entire second act, it was kind of gone. They right. didn't really see yeah. anything throughout the crew, but um, that wasn't a problem because, I, you know, they're kind of... They were literally uh, in transit, you know what I mean? They're kind of in, yeah. bet- in between the action, so it makes sense that we didn't see a ton of them. So I don't necessarily count that as a fault against it. But, uh, yeah, I thought the balance was terrific. I-, I feel like it was just a perfect give and take of, you know, a back and forth between Earth and what Mark Watney was going on on Mars. And nice. then you-, you throw in the the crew a little bit later on in the third act, and it I thought it was perfect. Nice. Fekus, the, the detractor of the discussion. <laughs> this is probably going to be where I had some of my biggest problems uh, with it. Uh, the stuff on Mars with... Uh, Mark Waltney, that was stellar. You can't take anything away from that. Yeah, I absolutely enjoyed all the uh, in intergoings of NASA. Those mm-hmm. scenes, political wise, uh, business wise, I, I loved watching all that. What I I did not appreciate is the fact that they dropped their crew in the second act. Really, I, I 
Well, here's the thing. You just you've literally just lost the first man in outer space in all of the history of NASA. Mm-hmm. Do they say that in the movie? Well, I, I assume that assume, yeah. I assume that only because at this point in our real history, mm-hmm. that's we've never okay. lost yeah. anyone in space. And, and so to them, they're flying home from the first mission to lose a, a human being in space. And I don't get their reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't see how they're dealing with it on, on the flight home. That's got to be one, a horrible strain. You just spent yeah. the better part of, what what is it, 180 days to get there? Yeah. yeah. Living in close quarters with this guy. And Not then to mention training. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you lose him. And then the only thing we get is... It's like, well, we got to tell the crew, uh, and then that's when we bring him in. And they're like, oh, crap, we're, we were having a good time, but now Mark's, <laughs> Mark's back and alive. Hmm. Uh, so that, that was my biggest problem. I, I, uh, I would have liked more scenes on the Hermes ship, seeing the crew kind of deal with the fact that they just lost someone so close to them. Um, and the, another thing I didn't really appreciate was uh, the seven months later, uh, transition <laughs> yeah that, that, that killed me um, yeah yeah because you know, I, I was talking to my wife about it because like i said she'd read the book and i was like it can't do that in the book does it and she goes no they they expound on what's going on during that time period i'm like i understand it's it's a movie and it's got to have time constraints mm-hmm. but man i just think that's such a lazy transition seven months later i just <laughs> i didn't i did not appreciate that I don't remember the t- sorry. I don't. I don't remember the timing in the book, but I know that there was one like one like last trial that he went through that that may have taken place in that time span. Yeah, Cassie um, said that she that he loses contact uh, with NASA. Uh, for probably. A second I'm time. thinking of something else though. Um, I won't spoil it or anything, but there's there's and there's something that happens that. It, I mean, it's it's kind of. I understand why they cut it from they cut it from the movie because right. it would be kind of redundant. You know, it's kind of toward the end of his journey and all that. But um, I kind of feel like in the book, it kind of kind of gave him kind of a final like trial to overcome um, in a way, I guess. But um, I, I want to say that that probably takes place over the course of that. What was in what was the seven month gap right, in, yeah. in the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, but we should probably be careful about tiptoeing around spoilers. But yeah. Um, but but the but the, like I said, the stuff at NASA that was a really good break from the tension on Mars, and mm-hmm. I, I really loved the geopolitical stuff that was going on with uh, with NASA and uh, some of their counterparts. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I, all that was done brilliantly. All the NASA people I thought did a really good job. Like I loved Sean Bean, even though he wasn't that big into the movie, right. of course, mm-hmm. until a little bit later. But I, I loved his character. His his presence, I thought, was really great. Right. And it's funny. We're, <laughs> we are leaving the movie, and Cassie goes, you're going to think I'm so stupid. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she goes, <laughs> I didn't realize that that was Ned Stark until I saw his name in the credits. It, oh, wow. and, he go, and she goes, it doesn't look like him. I was like, it looks exactly like him, except for the fact that he doesn't have long hair and chain mail. That's, it yeah. looks exactly like Ned Stark. And but. he has a head. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny you, you mentioned that because uh, I thought it was a really interesting casting choice using Sean Bean for that character. I, I agree. Pretty he didn't die. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he didn't die, and he plays so many villains. He, I mean, even Ned Stark was kind of a, a strange turn for him because right. he plays mm-hmm. so many villains, or at least uh, you know antagonists. Um, and so it was. It he was, was a, a little. He was. Uh, I can't remember. He wasn't really that antagonistic. It was antagonistic against Chiwetel Ejiofor's character, right? 
a little, I'm a little, no, uh, uh, more, more uh, towards um, um, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, Jeff Daniels yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So there was a little give and take, but I mean, he wasn't like an evil character or anything right. like that. Right, so. right. He he yeah. had he had noble intentions in every action he took in the movie. Right, right. Um, and, and and that's it was just kind of a different different thing for him, um, at least for what he's famous for, anyways. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, everyone was just so. Awesome. I was really happy to see Donald Glover. Me too. I was just about to say Donald I will, Glover. I, I loved his character. I yeah. I did too. I really did love. I really loved that character, but it, at times it kind of felt like he was like channeling he was Abed. Channeling. He it, it reminded me so much of the episode of Community. I think it was season five where uh, it's the uh, they switch personalities. They switch personalities. <laughs> yeah. And he's like he's 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 Abed. It's the Freaky Friday episode. Yeah. Um. And it just kind of like that that took me out of it just a little bit because I was uh, like, I maybe it's because yeah. I I didn't follow Community up and past the second season, but. Mm-hmm. The scene with him and uh, Jeff Daniels. Oh, that was that was oh, that was great. beautiful. Like yeah. that, that took any criticism I had of of his portrayal in the movie completely right. away because it was mm-hmm. just it was it was phenomenal. Yeah, who are you? Uh, the director of NASA. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it just puts the pen back. Yeah. <laughs> it's so that was so great. Like that and and Watney's. Um, Watney's just basic humor. That was it. Brought great levity yeah. to the levity to the movie. The the humor portions from uh, Matt Damon's uh, parts were were amazing. They mm-hmm. were fantastic. That was great comedic timing mm-hmm. and just it brought levity to a horrible situation. And oh yeah, just, yeah. He he nailed it. Like I, I loved his performance. Yeah, I uh, uh, I think you could almost call it a comedy. I, I, I agree. It was so funny. Oh, right. I mean, uh, it was. And and to your point, Fekus, about them just kind of, it kind of did feel like they, they almost like they brushed off the whole fact that like, oh, this is a monumental event in human history when they thought that he was dead. Right. And like they kind of just brushed past it. You don't get to see, you're right, you don't get to see the crew's reaction to it. And also I felt like it was just a really kind of awkward placement of the scene where uh, Jeff Daniels gives the press conference and then it just. It, and then it cuts off. It cuts off because, yeah. it, and it's just like, he's like, Mark, Mark Watney is dead. It's like. Uh, say more. Say right. more things. Don't <laughs> what, what come next? to Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think part of part of what influenced that scene is that, and this is something I wanted to talk about, is that mm-hmm. this. I, I loved how much of a fantasy this version of NASA is, because you can see sort of in the background how it's they have like the sprawling campus and all these amazing right, resources, right. and it's yeah. just this like clearly it's just this hugely funded thing, and they're talking about five missions to Mars. Mm-hmm. That is an absolute. You know, that is a ghost compared to the NASA we have now. It's a fantasy right now. Yeah, and it's it's just like it. It the movie inspired me so much to like. It inspired me to want us to get to that at some point. Like I hope that in fifty years from now we have a NASA like that. That would just be so incredible. Well, the the plan um, is to currently land a, a human on Mars in twenty thirty nine. Yeah. Right. is the current plan. So, yeah. We'll whether see. or not that happens, Neil deGrasse right. Tyson does not uh, yeah. seem to be that optimistic. But, but no. to your point, um, I, I feel like in this this version of NASA, um, <laughs> they are much more highly publicized than uh, what, what we have now. And so, like his Jeff Daniels' character, his job as a PR guy is so much harder. It's it's kind of like being the PR guy for the Kardashians as opposed to NASA because every single tiny little thing that happens, he has to play, you know, control how it comes out. And so I can sort of understand why they made that decision. Well, I mean, you got to take it into consideration too. If, you know, this say, say this does happen, you're talking about taking like NASA hasn't had this kind of uh what's the word I'm looking for attention 
since mm-hmm. you know we were putting men on the moon. Right. So it's going to be similar. We're going to be putting human beings on Mars. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have that kind of attention. They're, yeah. You know, the, the public is going to be very vested into what NASA is doing. They're not going to mm-hmm. do it right now because the only thing we're doing is sending shipments of uh, supplies up to the ISS or. Yeah, international oh, space just, states. Yeah. yeah, but um, I think they're even outsourcing that to they, privatize. Yeah, they are. Yeah, companies. Uh, um, but that kind of touches on that, like that exact, like tiny. You kind of circled around the reason why I didn't market a ten or nine point five. Actually, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and this is it, it's such a it's a hard thing for me to say because I like I am so so much just a a hardcore supporter of manned space exploration and the NASA program. And, um, I absolutely adore the, the amount of, uh, quality, uh, space movies that we've been getting. Like, like Mm -hmm. gravity was like gravity inspired people to, to the same way that the Martian has. And, um, I really hope the Martian inspires more people than gravity does. <laughs> Me too. Right, right. And uh, even Interstellar touched on you know us, us not going to the moon or, or right. exploring anything anymore. But what I feel like the Martian did, and this wasn't, um, I I felt like it got a little too wrapped up in its message because, and it, it's hard for me to say because I'm so on board with their message of saying like this is why we need we need manned space flights, this is why we need to explore and everything like that. And they kind of just really hammered it down, like really on the nose, saying like, like characters saying like this is this is a very huge event in human history. And I'm like, you you don't need to say that. It felt it felt a little bit like they were just kind of preaching to us that we need to fund NASA, and this is why this is why we need NASA to be operational at a level that it hasn't been for decades now. It just felt, and and I'm kind of conflicted with that because that's not really a fair criticism because the state of of the of of NASA's space program and the state of humanity reaching for space is at such a level to where you need to have you need to have that level of just on the nose message pushing in 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 your movies, but at some point it kind of reached a point. Of diminishing returns for me, it kind of felt like they didn't reach this point, but it felt like I mean you could kind of edit around it, and you can kind of spin it as like someone could probably see this as like just propaganda for NASA, basically, mm-hmm. and that's really if really. If anyone harsh. needs it, NASA and, does. And yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you're, you're coming from a perspective for someone that's really behind manned space programs, but the general public doesn't care. Yeah, and so true. I I have no problem with them being kind of preachy about it yeah and i mean it, you know that like last week to to me it was an amazing announcement they, there's flowing water on mars yes i could i talked to everybody <laughs> and no one gave two two shits about it and i was Ugh. like you do you not understand the implications of this yeah right and no no one does right no one gets it yeah yeah, yeah. it's sad um two things about that just really brief tangents there were two images that i just loved that came from that it was uh two like little comic strips that one was uh because it had like they announced for context, uh, they announced that they found flowing water on Mars the day after uh, we had a supermoon that was like the blood moon, right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and then it was something like it, it was it showed like a comic strip that one panel was the was the blood moon saying like oh look at me on mars ha huh? and then when, <laughs> when, the, when the lunar eclipse passes it shows him like as the the, the moon is a regular moon saying like ha ah, whatever who wants to be mars and then the next panel was mars crying <laughs> I, I thought that was so beautiful that's awesome yeah. And then the other one is a little more crass, but it was a, a picture of, of <laughs> I think it was just text of uh, NASA saying like, uh, or Mars saying like, hey, come over. And then NASA saying like, oh, no, you're too far away. And then and then Mars saying, I'm wet. <laughs> and saying like, we're on our way. <laughs> yeah, I saw that one. I, That's good. Just, God. But, but yeah, um, <laughs> to, to reel us back in, the... Uh, like I, even as even as just such a strong supporter of that message, I just felt like they they could have delivered it in a way that didn't feel like such a uh, um not not crowd pleasing such not such a, so much of a, a feel good like just uh, there was something about it that didn't connect with me like uh, like a, the delivery system of it. I mean, I felt like it was just a little too on the nose for me, and yeah, maybe my opinion I, I, will change. I, yeah, I disagree with you. I I, okay. just, I think they this is a proper amount of push for me for NASA. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Showing the uh, the general public getting behind the the mission once they're trying to, mm-hmm. I, I would like to think that that's how the world would react. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah. yeah. I just, I, if anything, I need more propaganda. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I feel like NASA is such an a bad shape financially right now. It needs mm-hmm. all the help it can get. So yeah, I agree with Fekas. I I mean, mm-hmm. I totally get your point that it was it was a little message heavy. It was yeah. I I feel it was just slightly like ham fisted a little bit, but okay. yeah. Anyway. I, yeah, I, I was. It, it was just such a feel-good notion that I didn't care. Yeah. I guess that's the way <laughs> way I can put it. So, but I know what you mean. Yeah, like I said, this 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 marked it down from a uh, from a nine point five to a nine for me. Right. So it's not. <laughs> it's almost negligible. It's almost negligible. It's yeah. me finding fault where there is not that much fault. And uh, Fekus, your point about the lack of. Uh, the, the lack of crew involvement until the third act was kind of just spot on the most uh, apt criticism you can find in the movie. But mm-hmm. when they bring the crew back, the crew stuff is fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, Oh yeah. It's oh amazing. yeah. And one thing that I loved about that was, was two things actually was, uh, well, yeah, we don't get to see like their, their, like their reaction to it that much. And it wasn't played up as much as, you would think, but then again, if they played it up more, it would be more more along like just a little too dramatic. And and they're professionals; they're they're you know they're astronauts. They're humans through though, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so. yeah. But I love the interplay between Michael Pena and everyone on the ship. Oh, d- Michael uh, Pena continues to he's impress me. I, I love that guy. He's, he's so underrated. He oh, is. Yeah. He oh is. yeah. Um, but he's getting good roles. So. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's true. Um. He's come such a long way since uh, his, and I'm I, like I loved him in season four of the Shield. No, um, see, I never, never watched. He that. didn't have a lot to do in that. Though. He did. He didn't, and he was kind of a yeah. Well, he he had a really he had a good. We'll talk about it at some point in the future, time, mm-hmm. um, in a and maybe a bonus episode about the Shield. But anyway, um, the other thing that I really appreciated about the about the Hermes crew was uh, the way that, and this isn't I'm not this isn't a spoiler or anything, but um two characters in it have a relationship on the ship right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I loved the way that it was so just downplayed and so just understated and and it didn't it it could have been like this 
Um, they could have really beat you over the head with it. They could have, yeah. They it could have been propaganda for spaceship romance. <laughs> it could have been it could have been used for unnecessary drama. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but then again, they're they're just professionals. They, they didn't like make that a focal point of the crew's um, plot line or anything like that. It was just like, oh hey, these these two are banging. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guarantee you, they were not banging in space. <laughs> there are ridiculous amounts of NASA protocol. They'd be like, if you get pregnant up there, <laughs> there's true. not a whole lot we can do. That's true. I doubt they'd add the extra fuel for the condoms. And I, and I get, <laughs> we're going to need a year supply of prophylactics, guys. What can we get rid of? <laughs> God. Um, I will say this, yeah. and this is me being just nitpicky because I'm mm-hmm. stupid, but if NASA was aware of that relationship, those two would not be on that mission together. Yeah, oh, yeah probably yeah. not, yeah. And who's to say it didn't blossom when they were? It could have, you know. You're, yeah. you're stuck in, in a transit. you know small space for uh, you know half a year. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, human beings, man, juices go flowing. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, this is a pretty small apartment. I'm feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I got a uniform. I'm just saying. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, is there any any other aspects that we need to touch on on, the, on this, or is there any? More? I just want to say, like, I know I was. You know, talking that I didn't like the fact that they got away from the crew. But when the, like I said, when the crew comes back, I really love the interactions of the crew making a decision on what they're, how they're going to approach the problem. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that, you know, once they were back, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, they're, they're back in their rhythms. Like, you know, they really played well together. Um, Oh, yeah. all together, like they're more bringing kids. But no, the, their interactions were very genuine. I, I enjoyed all mm. their, uh, I, I enjoyed all that stuff once it got back. So that's why I, I think I probably missed them so much in the second second act. Mm-hmm. So, like I, I would have loved to see a movie that focused on that group and and that dynamic and that that kind of uh, chemistry between yeah, those that, characters. Yeah, that in of itself could be an interesting yeah. movie. Um, this movie yeah. was a collection of three different three different movies that could have been played. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, but. You know, it comes together in such a such a nice nice way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was uh, I was very intrigued by the uh, the 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 way they the way they established and showed the isolation in this yeah. movie because mm-hmm. um, it didn't necessarily feel like isolation because he was ha- he had this this dialogue going the whole time and it's like he was just telling the story and and it just it almost didn't feel like isolation mm-hmm. but then I, th- there's a few very very like perfect moments where they they kind of display the, the the psychological and later in the movie physical degradation of what Mark Watney yeah. went through. Right. Yeah. Um. And, and those those moments were 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 plenty uh, representative enough of how how terrible isolationism can be and how mm. you know you need human contact and 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 just being by yourself can can just absolutely ruin someone right. who's who's weak and uh, and. and it still managed to achieve that even while I felt like it, sometimes it didn't feel like he was isolated at all. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was just a very, very, uh, very talented presentation of that. And mm-hmm. that, that balance was really well done. And a lot of that was Matt Damon's performance. Oh yeah. As, oh, I yeah. mean, he just, you talk about performances of actors that have had to just do with what themselves, you know, Tom Hanks and Castaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think, Matt Damon even did a better job of it than Tom Hanks did in Castaway. I, I thought he his, his performance was fantastic. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And there was a scene, uh, the scene where he's in the rover and 
in, in my review, I, I kept it vague, so I'll keep it vague here. But he reacts to something that's on screen. Um, this is when I was yeah, talking about. Yeah. Um, so so he reacts to something that's on screen, and like the emotion that he that he that he showed on on his face, it was it it wasn't like there was a restraint to it because mm-hmm. I I feel like he just tapped into that character in that moment so profoundly like it moved me like incredibly like it, I was incredibly moved by that because you can see that he's just overcome with this emotion but he's still you know holding it back because he need he has a job to do yeah. um and I just I I absolutely loved that loved that scene in mm-hmm. particular um, me too I loved his maritime law yeah uh, that, <laughs> that killed me that was so funny that. Oh, that was fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> and the callback to it later, right? Oh, it's like, yeah, we he he explained it to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so this movie was just it was just a blast. It was yeah. it was. Um, if I had one more criticism mm-hmm. with it, and it's it's just this, and it, this is probably something that can be rectified by me just reading the book. I feel like that they could have done a little bit more explanation to some of the science portions of what's going on. Like I, there, there's got to be more to the the potato thing than what they show. And but my biggest thing, I like, I'm sure all their science checks out. But I wanted mm-hmm. to know the science behind the. Uh, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, okay. The, the the last portion where okay. he's taking all of these things off of the. <laughs> yeah. I, I really want to know the you know the the logistics of that, and, right. I, and I know again it's time constraints, but mm-hmm. me just being the kind of the guy, I just uh, I would like to have had them go a little bit further into the uh, the science uh, reasoning behind some of the things that they could or could not do. So. Mm-hmm. I really think you'll love the book. Yeah. Honestly, it expands on everything science related in it. It's so and it's so weird because it's such a. It's such a it's such a uniquely gripping experience to read about this guy like like writing out these these calculations and stuff and it's like it's so it still grips you even though it's like he's just talking about math and, and how he needs to survive with this like rationing stuff like like actually talking out the math in, right. in the book it's it's really it's really great I, I absolutely love that it kind of reminds me of the throwback to Apollo thirteen Apollo thirteen mm-hmm. when. Kevin Bacon's character and Bill Paxton's character, and Kevin Bacon's like, you know, I don't think they're telling us this, this, and this, and this. And Bill Paxton goes, well, how, how why are you so sure? And he goes, because I can count. And he's <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, and like, I like that line. Is like, oh, you yeah. might be able to count, but those are those are equations. <laughs> and that's one thing that I really loved about the movie. Also, was that it kind of took a uh, an Apollo thirteen esque approach to it, and it it was filmed almost like kind of in a at least in the NASA scenes and everything. It's kind of like a docudrama style, yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. it because every every new character had like a little title card and, and right. their their uh, their title and everything, and it just felt it felt like that coupled with the just very realistic portrayal of science. I mean, I'm not a scientist, so I don't know how much they got right and how much they got wrong, but um, seeing that together felt like this was a combination of Apollo 13 and 127 Hours and uh, uh, other survival movies, stuff like that. Um, It just kind of lent such a realism to it that they would have, uh, have such a kind of realistic portrayal of of nasa mm-hmm. although i don't think uh the interdepartmental and intercontinental uh cooperation would uh work the way that it does in the movie so I d- seamlessly I, yeah i, I, I d- maybe not as seamlessly but I, and i'm not going to spoil anything mm. but i could see what happens happening i i really yeah. could and 
I think it would just be for the sake of the uh, space travel. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that maybe it wouldn't work so effortlessly, right. but mm-hmm. I think that that would work. I think that that could come together if in yeah. a similar situation. And they do touch on the alternative of that as well when they, right. when they like briefly in dialogue. But um, then again, that, that wasn't the point of the movie. It wasn't to have, have like... Uh, no, it's not a geopolitical yeah. thriller. So. Right, right, right. right. Um, True. Yeah. So is there anything else we need to discuss about The Martian or should we move on to Potpourri or anything? Any last, any last words? <laughs> I will say this. I saw a funny thing on the internet today. It had a little overview of uh, the earth pointing out little mountains, countries, and then there's a little dot above the earth and it says Matt Damon. <laughs> so That's, I funny. That funny. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, did you guys see the one where it uh, has Matt Damon saving Private Ryan, Matt Damon Interstellar, and then Matt Damon <laughs> this? And it goes, the United States has spent a ridiculous amount of money trying to get back Matt Damon. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen that. Yeah. That was great. Uh yeah so so ra- wrapping up final thoughts I gave it a nine point out of ten Fekus you said seven I, I would say I'm probably mm-hmm. closer to eight um, okay. so like I said it, it just it didn't strike me as movie of the year but mm-hmm. it, it was very enjoyable I don't regret seeing it at all it was a great movie nice yeah, uh, yeah I'd I'd probably give it a nine as well Sweet. nine out of ten it was just so great nice nice I mean it wasn't the visit but it's <laughs> gone. <laughs> I was just gonna see. I was just gonna ask you, just out of curiosity, what is your current movie of the year? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, if I had to just fly by, I'd almost have to say Ex Machina at this okay. point. Hmm. Uh, may, nice. Maybe Mad Max. I had need to revisit mm-hmm. Mad Max again. I, I, I thought you guys were a little harsh on Mad Max, to be honest. But yeah, I. <laughs> I think yeah, your guys' problem was you it. didn't see it in the theater. That, Honestly, that might I, actually that could very well yeah. be it. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah. Yeah, oh God, that would have been amazing to see at the it was. State it been. Museum. Yeah. yeah, on the yeah. ninety foot screen. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Incredible. Or one hundred and twenty, however huge that thing is. It might be seventy. But. Bigger than my forty eight inch television. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bigger than most 70, people's homes. Seventy, but uh, seventy millimeter. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know, we'll we'll see what, how I feel about it after or we watch rewatch. Before we go to Puppery, you know, did you see that they're doing two sequels to it? Really? No, I did not. Mad Max. Yeah. I, I did not see that. Yep. Um, George Miller confirmed there will be at least two sequels. You know wow. who else confirmed some sequels? And I know you guys are going to both be excited about this. I don't know. Oh, God. Hasbro has confirmed <laughs> oh. 10 years of Transformer movies. Yes. What? They've mapped yep. out, like, what, the next five? Next four. Next, next four. four oh, Transformer man. movies. You're welcome. Rough. Uh, <laughs> That's rough with three Fs. <laughs> yeah. Tra- trans- well, what one are they on now? Trans- more than meets the five? eye with that deal. They've done four. <laughs> Have they done five? Yeah, they did four. Yeah, four. Like, <laughs> three with uh, Sha- Shia LaBeouf and uh, one with uh, uh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Whatever. I'm not going to see him. I gave up on that <laughs> that franchise after the first one. Like midway through the second one, I was like, "Oh, this is still on." I like, <laughs> I, I like the third one a lot. I I wanted to see the third one because and this kind of ties into our our thing because I really liked the. Uh, fake Apollo mission. Yeah, that was good footage in that in the trailer. But yeah, I was a huge fan of the third one. But. Nice. Well, I'm a, I'm a defender of those. Uh, not the fourth one that was a god awful, and I mm. I hate myself for seeing it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, um, <laughs> we're gonna go to Potpourri. But first, we're gonna play this uh, promo for Shocktober in Irvington, which again is October 16th at the Irving Theater. You can find more information at shocktoberinirvington.com. 
Join the Obsessive Viewer Podcast on October 16th, 2015 at the Irving Theater in Indianapolis for The Obsessive Viewer Presents Shocktober in Irvington Part 2. It's a one-night event screening of short horror films from local artists J.P. Leck and Snapshot Productions. There will be giveaways, raffles, interviews with the filmmakers, and so much more. All proceeds will go directly to the Irvington Historical Society. Go to shocktoberinirvington.com for more details. And prepare to be shocked. You can see my tattoos in live and in person. Yes, Ooh. that's right. Fekus has confirmed that he will be there. So if Incentive. you exactly <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to see the face of the voice that you've heard six times on the podcast. <laughs> 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 yeah. So yeah, potpourri. Let's let's do this. Uh, potpourri for first time listeners is a section of the podcast where we talk about we we kind of wrap up the show with a little discussion of stuff that we've watched lately and stuff that we're wanting to watch stuff like that. Um, we call it potpourri, anything we want, as long as it smells good. And uh, Fekus, since you are our guest, uh, what do you want to bring up for potpourri? Uh, I'll bring up first, uh, I, I got two things, but I'll uh, bring up the kind of the lesser one right now. Uh, I, I just purchased the uh, Blu-ray of Age of Ultron Avengers, and I was very much looking forward to the Blu-ray. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love the movie, I'm a comic book nerd, so it's no secret, but... Everything I heard through the production was that there was like 45 minutes of footage cut from the film, and there's a lot of things that I, I was hoping to see expounded upon and deleted in extended scenes. So I was really excited to get it for that. I was hugely disappointed. Oh, oh man. That um, bums me out. There uh, was not even 10 minutes of extended and deleted scenes. <sighs> Jeez. Uh, three of the extended scenes were. What you would expect out of deleted scenes, they needed to be deleted. Yeah. Uh, but there was one deleted scene, or it, I, you can call it a deleted scene. You can call it a, a reimagining of a scene. Uh, it was would be probably a better description of it, but it's uh, Thor's little trip into the magical pond of destiny. Yeah. <laughs> and they should have kept what they cut. Um, uh, okay. They do a little bit better job of explaining what's going on there. Uh, and they kind of redo the entire scene uh, specifically. And, and this, in the cut DVD portion of it, he's not just in a pool having a vision. He's they explain that it's a connection between Asgard and Earth, and it's protected by some outworldly spirits that he has to kind of sacrifice himself to, and he kind of gets possessed. And mm-hmm. through that possession, they're explaining uh, the Mind Stone. To okay. uh, to Eric Selvig. So Eric Selvig has a bigger portion to play in that part too, not just Thor's taxi driver to the, <laughs> to the pool. But I I huh. I, I was really uh, disappointed that they changed it for the way they did the movie. I, I liked it better in the deleted scene. Uh, but having said that, the other the other portions of the uh, special features are pretty generic. Um, mm-hmm. There's a behind the scenes. Uh, you know, making of Age of Ultron. There's a gag reel, which is always fun. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a neat little featurette about uh, explaining the Infinity Stones. So mm-hmm. if you're not that into the uh, comic books, you don't know what's coming up. It kind of gives you an overview of uh, what to expect with the Infinity War and uh, wh- why each stone is uh, separate, important, and its function. So, but I was overall I was disappointed with the Blu-ray. I mean, so I'm, I'm of course I'm going to watch it because I love the movie, oh, yeah. but the the features and deleted scenes I was. Very underwhelmed. I was hoping to see the uh, scene that was cut involving uh, 
Tom Hiddleston. Uh, oh yeah, and, and that was not in there. I was fully expecting to see the Loki scene, and they, they just didn't put it in. So. Especially since That's they had shame. press about it. Yeah, I mean, so I was. Yeah. I, I, maybe they're going to do like some crazy extended version. You know, mm-hmm. a year from now, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I hope they will. It it's weird that I mean Marvel has the resources of Disney. <laughs> yeah, you would think that they would have like they would pour out just really expense expansive and expensive uh, Blu-ray editions with yeah. special features and stuff. But then again, it's Disney. Maybe they're going to put it back in the vault in ten years from now. Have the ultra special edition with new deleted scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But uh, with this version, I was I was just disappointed. Um, but you know, I paid seventeen bucks for it. So, how yeah. do you guys feel about? How does that make you? How does it make you guys feel about uh, the? <laughs> this is way in the future, but um, not really way in the future. But uh, Star Wars Blu-rays uh, for I, the new movies. Do you I'm, think I'm good. Have... Are you talking about like the ones that are still uh, that are going going to be released? Or? The, the new movies. Like I would, I imagine that like with something that has that much fanfare behind I'll it, I'll buy every single to. copy that they put <laughs> yeah. out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it would just be, I'm just, I'm, I don't know what I'm saying exactly. Just that it would be a shame if they had a lackluster Blu-ray releases. Uh, you know, it's star Wars. It's, it, you know, may, maybe I'll be disappointed. Maybe I won't, but usually I'm not disappointed with special features. Uh, mm-hmm. it was just this particular movie because I, I knew that there was so much, like I, I knew that Joss Whedon had a like a three hour cut, and I, I right, really yeah. wanted to see what what had taken place. Uh, but with Star Wars, I think J.J. Abrams is pretty concise with his edits, so I, I don't see that being an issue. That's true. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. I think uh, based on what, based on the actions that Joss Whedon's taken since the movie wrapped, I think it's it's pretty clear to say that he was very hamstrung by yeah uh, mm-hmm. by the the studio and distributors and all that and that's he, true he's he's reacted very negatively towards it he basically right. like quit twitter and he has nothing that's in production right. right now i have a feeling that guy is going to like just completely get away from like the business side i, th- of I think he needs just, a break yeah i mean yeah. he he did some great work with marvel but that's got to stifle his creativity yeah uh, so I, I imagine he probably needs a break it's well the, deserved a break the john favreau effect there yes because he had yeah. john favreau went through the same thing with iron man, with iron man. Right. not maybe not the same thing but you know, same reaction. I, I bet pretty – I'm sure they pretty much told him these are all the things you need to put into this movie. And right. probably yeah. wore on John Favreau quite a bit. Oh, so. yeah. That was the whole thing. John Favreau's whole thing was that uh, they gave him a release date. <laughs> yeah. And then, that, like, that's the, – the whole thing was pushing toward the release date. So he couldn't do the script that he wanted to do. He, did, he couldn't make the movie that he wanted to make. Right. And yeah. he was forced to put in all the S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. It was nice of him to come back to play Happy in Iron Man 3, though. That was cool. Yeah. 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 Was good. With mullet and bullet tie and all, so <laughs> – I just hope that uh, Joss Whedon makes his chef after this. Yes. I, th- I think he'll it. probably go back and do something a little bit lower budget. And he kind of did yeah. that after the first Avengers. He did the Shakespearean. Uh, right. Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah, Much Ado yeah, About Nothing. Which, uh, yeah. I think he filmed it in secret. I love that. With style. Greg Clark, too. I love that. Yeah. Clark Greg. Cl- oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Sorry, Agent Coulson. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I, I have a feeling he's going to do something like, like Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. Yeah. He's going to just do something <laughs> awesome. in secret, just funded himself and just put it out however he wants and oh, yeah. just not be constrained by anything. That'd be great. Yeah. Uh, so Tiny, what do you got for Potpourri? Uh, mine's really short. I haven't watched okay. much lately, um, but I am really looking forward to uh, The Walking Dead starting back up. Um, it starts in a week. Uh, this a Sunday, week. yeah. Yep. starts on Sunday, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm really ready for it. I mean, I, I know... It's such a it's such a controversial show anymore. So many people have fallen <laughs> off, and people don't watch it anymore. People just can't stand it, or people are just so in love with it. It doesn't matter how good or bad it is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I've I've actually really I really enjoyed what they did last season. Last season, I liked the dynamics that they set up and all the the, the new characters clashing with the old ones. I I just really appreciated it. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to what they do this season. I it's funny because this past weekend I just I watched the last half of season five because I when I came back I think it was uh, right before I was about to move and I didn't have cable and I didn't have cable installed or anything like that so I I couldn't really watch it in. Um, real time or anything so i just kind of waited for netflix and uh it's funny because after i watched like the first couple episodes that after they came back i actually went back and listened to an old episode of the podcast that might have been comedy sequels comedy sequels um or college movies but it was in march and uh i because i remember you guys talking about uh actually it was the avengers trailer bonus episode potpourri thing um uh, maybe not bonus episode but uh you two because feckus you were on uh talking about uh the walking dead coming back and like feckus you specifically talked about the episode i think it was called them where they with the barn oh yeah yeah and uh it's funny because when i when i was listening to the podcast and i don't want to rehash old discussions on the podcast but uh from my my context for listening to that was after i had basically turned that episode on got about 15 minutes into it and then fell asleep for like four hours on my couch <laughs> and then eventually like went back and listened to or watched it on my tablet when I was laying in bed getting ready to go to sleep and just thinking like my god this was so boring this was the yeah. the most useless episode that they've done so rough so um <laughs> yeah and but I will say that the rest of the season was actually you know pretty okay once they got to Alexandria it was uh pretty interesting uh mm-hmm. a new dynamic opened up and and um the <laughs> it's such a such a dumb thought but uh the the kind of uh, the chemistry between um uh, Andrew Lincoln and Alexandra Breckenridge is that her name uh the girl that plays Jesse mm-hmm. okay uh, I I just I want because in the show she's married. I just kind of wanted him to show up at her doorstep with uh, uh, with boards and such, oh, <laughs> with like really cheesy oh, like, <laughs> hashtag love actually guys. Yep. Oh my um, god, that's yeah. what pains me most is I knew exactly where you were going because <laughs> I have to watch that movie every year with Cassie. So. Yeah, man, I have to watch it every year too. Yeah, I'm forced, <laughs> um, forced to you know watch I it. don't I don't hate it. I, I don't. It's oh, actually I'm, enjoyable. I love it. I, yeah, yeah. I like that movie a lot. Um, so Tony, you're looking forward to that that's awesome i am yeah yeah um i I, it ended well season five ended well so uh i it's sometimes it's a chore for me but Mm -hmm. i'm I'm always on board and i get that i've said from day probably 42 of the show that um (laughs) that i i will watch it always because uh i love zombies and greg nicotero is amazing yeah um but it was a struggle. I, sometimes I will watch it when it hits Netflix at the end of like a year after it, it, it airs. <laughs> um, sometimes I get like four episodes behind because I'm just like, do I really want to do this right now? Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah. It's, uh, I will say that th- something kind of struck me about that and then I'll go on to my potpourri section. But, uh, I was looking up on IMDb. You guys know that Andrew Lincoln hasn't, hun- hasn't done a single acting and hasn't taken a single acting role since the walking dead premiered why well, really? would need to I yeah mean, it, well exactly but that like everyone else has, has has acted in other things just he hasn't like he's like he he does a lot of like narration in the uk and for for documentaries i think um and voiceover work but he hasn't had he hasn't portrayed anyone but rick grimes on on television or in film since hmm. well you gotta think that's know, a what is it 20 some episodes for a season that, that's 30, yeah. 16 13 to 16 uh, it's still, I mean, that, yeah. that's a long commitment. And, yeah, uh, and 
And I, I like I'm not faulting the guy or anything. No, you like hate that. you hate him. No, well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm just you called I'm just, him lazy. I heard it. <laughs> I'm just saying it's an interesting bit of trivia, and I totally respect that. Cause I assume that uh, if he has wife and family and stuff. It doesn't. That's that's why I think he said uh, that on the Nerdist, his episode of the Nerdist, that he's he's a very that makes sense. a very passionate family man. Mm, yeah. And so I think I mean Walking Dead's got to be at least six months out of his oh, year, absolutely, oh, yeah. if not more. So oh yeah, in Atlanta too. So. Yeah, in Atlanta of all places. Yeah, so that's cool. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Atlanta. I'm just saying it's. Not. I believe it's hot Atlanta. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, for Popery, I'm going to bring up uh, since it's since it is Shocktober mm-hmm. uh, on the on the, here at the Obsessive Era, we we like to celebrate what we call Shocktober. A um, little bit less of a focus on, on the podcast side this this year, but um, I do want to mention something Shocktober related. Um, and I watched the movie The Den, which is a movie that Mike brought up on the podcast uh, months ago, uh, Mike being our co-host who was on sabbatical from the podcast, he brought up The Den, and uh, The Den is a movie that's currently streaming on Netflix. It's about a woman who is given a grant to study, um, uh, to like kind of do kind of a chat roulette kind of thing. Like she's given a, a grant from her school or from a school to, to study the people that she meets online in this uh, chat roulette kind of thing. So that's the setup of it. It's a pretty flimsy setup. I'll get to that in a second. But um, the rest of the movie is she kind of stumbles upon some like really creepy kind of uh, it's 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 kind of a slasher basically, and uh, she's being kind of hacked and taunted through through this. the The kind of pull the the main draw of the movie is that the entire thing takes place over uh, laptop screens. Uh, kind of like that movie Unfriended. Yeah, I was I never say, saw it. very reminiscent. Yeah, which uh, when Mike brought it up on the podcast, he mentioned that The Den is a much, much better alternative than uh, Unfriended, which I never got a chance to see. No desire. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this is a more grounded kind of, because I think Unfriended was was all paranormal stuff. Yeah. But this is a grounded grounded in realism kind of kind of thing. And I was, I was into it. I really enjoyed it. If I haven't said that yet, I enjoyed this movie because it kind of sets up things in a way that like within about, and it's only like 77 minutes long. So it's not, it's not a long watch or anything. Mm. And so as I'm sitting there watching, I'm, I'm kind of like thinking like, Oh, okay, well they're clearly setting it up so that this, so that this is going to be the end game here and all that. But then by the end of it, like it's, it's completely not what you expect <laughs> uh, mm. from that. And it kind of ends on a, on a really, really interesting uh kind of note that uh, i thought it was i thought it was definitely a lot of fun it was really good it was really good and uh the actress the acting in general was just okay but um it was it's a horror film yeah exactly it was it was it was fun i'll I'll give it that and i was really glad to see that i was i was nervous that it was going to go in a certain direction toward the end but um it it didn't. I'll, I'll leave it at that because it'll be spoiling. But um, mm. but yeah, I I really enjoyed it. I recommend it. It's on it's on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Fekis, do you want to go again? Yeah. Um. Last yesterday, um, got home from the gym and uh, realized that the Colts game was on. Not being a Colts fan, a Cowboys fan, <laughs> I thought uh, I'll go see a movie. And so uh, I went to go see Sicario, which I have been looking forward to uh, a lot. And it was disappointing to me. Um, it's getting it, like the Martian. It, it wasn't as you know. I'm not saying I was disappointed by the Martian. I, I wasn't. Um, but uh, 
like The Martian, I kept on get, seeing a lot of movie of the year uh, yeah. stuff, and I was like, well, all right. So, And it's something up my alley. It's about the, mm-hmm. the drug war, war, me being a police officer and smell of bacon all the time. I thought this is <laughs> up my alley. So, But the the main character of it, if you, if you want to know, it's uh, Emily Blunt plays an FBI agent that gets assigned to a task force uh, that's trying to hunt down one of the major players in the Mexican cartel drug wars. And for her being a, a team leader in, uh, in a SWAT position in the FBI, her character came off so naive, and <laughs> oh, it, really? it bothered me. Because she, she was just so flabbergasted by some of the things that are going on and some of the things that the other agencies are doing. And I'm like, you do have the news, right? <laughs> <laughs> you, you do know that the United States have done some pretty shady things even recently you know yeah. fast and furious not the, not the movie i'm talking about the yeah. the arms deal between the wow. cartels in the united states but she's just like oh my gosh i can't believe this, this sort of thing is happening and the whole time like every time something happens in the movie and she's just like oh i have to smoke a cigarette now i'm like you you <laughs> can't be in your position and not know some these things are going i, I mean i'm a i'm a local police officer <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know how some of these things work in in the federal system, it, and it maybe it took me out of the movie a little bit too much, but her naivete just really bothered me. Hmm. Not it's not to say that it's a bad movie. It, it there's a lot of good things about it. Some of the action sequences are really well done. There's a scene that ha- takes place uh, at the Mexico U.S. border <laughs> yeah. that was fantastic, but was taken away from me because again her. She she bugged the crap out of me during that action sequence. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're a SWAT trained officer, and she's like, "Do I get my gun out? So, should I get this gun out?" Yeah, there's there's guys with fully automatic machine guns. You might want to get your pistol out. <laughs> and and it uh it, but but and maybe if her character wasn't so ridiculously naive, it would have been a better movie for me because there were some great things about it. Josh Brolin put in a strong performance on it, uh, and Benicio Del Toro killed it. I loved every single moment I saw him on screen. That's good to hear. to me, he really brought the movie out for me. So it's not a bad movie. There's a lot of good things to like about it. There's a lot of insightful things about the drug trade uh, if you're not that in, in tune to it. That is pretty pretty spot on, pretty factual. And something so little to me is... Uh, a lot of times in movies like this, you'll see like some of the, uh, if you don't know, like a lot of the agencies will use a lot of military uh, people to do some of their high risk ops. And whenever you see that in a movie, you see these guys that are just ripped to shreds. Yeah. Just, you know, the Arnold Schwarzenegger crew from Predator. Yeah. And that's not realistic. And <laughs> yeah. even for special forces guys, but they do a really good job portraying the special forces. Uh, special forces guys and they they look like what i would expect and you know they're they're not bodybuilders they're yeah. just they're guys that are well trained and they're gruff but mm-hmm. it, some of the realistic aspects they put into that i really appreciate it so it, it's it's a really good movie if you can get away from emily blunt's portrayal of apparently a 12 year old girl that got <laughs> into the fbi <laughs> it's it's funny because i okay so i had the full intention of going to see the martian again because uh, I wanted to see it in 2D and I wanted to be kind of, you know, to have another take because uh, I saw it for free for the screening. So I was like, you might, you know, might as well pay for it to see it. But then I saw that you checked into uh, S- uh, Sicario on uh, Facebook and I, I had heard a lot of the buzz about it, too. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go see Sicario. So I went and saw it. And yeah, I was just really lukewarm. lukewarm over yeah, it. it- 
I, I don't understand where all the uh, heavy praise is coming from. I I want to say, and this is this is such a disservice. It's not. This isn't. This probably isn't the case, but it it, it is. Uh, I believe his name is pronounced Denis Villeneuve. Uh, he directed it, and he's the guy that made Prisoners. Prisoners, uh, which I was underwhelmed with as well. Yeah, but I mean, he, he carries a certain a certain weight, and um, maybe there was there's a bit of expectation there. But, and I will say that the movie, for what it is, is is a beautifully beautifully made movie. Like yeah. the the shots of Juarez are yeah. fan, are, are amazing. They're oh yeah, they're beautiful. Is horrible as to say it's. I mean. The border towns in Mexico are, for better, for lack of a better term, they're, they're war zones. Yeah, but they're the way they they shoot uh, Juarez is it's beautiful. It's very yeah. beautiful. And I like I really loved that. Like uh, Roger Deakins was the was the cinematographer on it, and I think that the way that he composed some of the shots and the way the lighting was, uh, it was just so the way everything was framed was so it was one of the best looking movies I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, agree in a while. But story wise, like completely disengaging for me like i i actually wrote a review and i'm probably posted this week but uh i actually gave it like a 6.5 out of 10 i I gave it a 7 on mm -hmm. imdb it was like and i think that okay like uh and and we don't need to get into like a a big discussion over it or anything but i feel like the emily blunt's character being that kind of naive character like that's She's our conduit to the story. She's our she's our she's the audience surrogate. So she's supposed to be, and and that's kind of it's not believable. It's, it, it's, it's not, not. It's definitely not believable. And I'm not in in making her such a willfully ignorant and in the dark character. It was just it made it so much more difficult. It didn't intrigue me uh, as to why as to why the. Uh, the agencies are behaving this way. It didn't intrigue me into what was going on with Benicio del Toro's character or anything like that. It just made me think like, there's nothing in this movie for me to latch onto. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing in this narrative to make me become invested in it. And there did were, you not even appreciate Benicio del Toro though? Cause I, 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 I really, thought he lit up the screen. I thought, I thought he was fantastic, but I felt like he was the, he was the, he was the main character of the movie, but the movie didn't tell that to us uh, until well over halfway through the movie. hundred percent agree. 100% yeah. And agree. I felt like that was, like if they had started from the beginning and shown shown his arc throughout the movie from beginning to end, instead of having this having what is ultimately a completely superfluous character introduce us into this into this narrative and be our conduit to the narrative, um, but instead showed him showed his his thing instead of steeping him in just really unnecessary mystery, yeah. really, and then it got to a point where we basically got his backstory and then. And too, then from there, it was too late. It was then. too late. Yeah. yeah, it was like okay. Well, we just found out this stuff about him, so now we need to be really invested in what he's doing. And I'm just like, eh, the shot's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just it was so it was so disorienting and so just not disengaging for me. There was one aspect of it that I really appreciated, and there was a, it was a bit of a side story uh, that kind of showed a minor portion of a uh, Mexican police officer's life, which I. I appreciated it didn't really fit the narrative and he didn't know where it was going but for some reason I, I kind of liked it. it it showed him his home life and then at the end of the film you got you, I wouldn't I don't want to call it what happens to him as a payoff but you kind of get a a wrap and some closure into uh maybe not even closure there's no closure in the drug war but right um the character has has a has an arc that, it, that, yeah, it, yeah it comes to to me it was a satisfying arc uh yeah. with him and uh, his family so I I appreciated that side of it instead of just kind of the U.S. Uh, law enforcement side of it. So, 
in retrospect, I agree. But in the moment, I was like, oh, yeah, we got this. We got this this cop in Mexico that we need to keep track of while I'm trying to while I'm struggling to get into the storyline involving Emily Blunt and and her escapades with with whatever task force it is. I just felt like it, if you're not going to hook me there, why would I be hooked on this on this story that has nothing to do with anything? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, yeah. Tiny, you haven't seen it. Have I you? haven't seen it yet. No. Okay. We didn't spoil too much, did we? Oh, not at all. No, okay. hey, we red box it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Um, or matinee it, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or go yeah. see it right now. You know what? Go see it right now. <laughs> We're not the boss of you, Tiny. <laughs> um, yeah, so Tiny, do you have any more or anything? I don't. Okay. I'll just I'll just run through just a quick thing real quick, and then and then we can call it call it a night. Um uh two things there but uh re- returning fall tv um mm-hmm. i've i watch a handful of shows um i've watched the latest season which is season three of uh brooklyn 99 they've aired two episodes now and it's still hilarious it's it's fantastic um there's a, season two ended on a cliffhanger which in fact is have you watched any of brooklyn 99 sitcoms not oh uh, you yeah. would I well okay well okay if if you go into it with that I I don't know if you'll like it but it's basically it's a workplace comedy at a police station right, yeah. it's Andy Samberg it's hilarious um, I, like, I like Terry Crews yeah and Terry Crews is fantastic um but the show's really good and it ended on a note last season that kind of had this kind of not cliffhanger but they were like. Uh, they introduced a new captain for the precinct, and then it wasn't revealed who it was at the end of the at the end of the finale. Which at the time I was like, okay, well they're obviously going to just wait and cast someone, and it'll probably be a big name actor or whatever. And then they revealed who it was in the premiere, and then like it's funny because he just has one episode as captain, and it's it's it was really funny. I won't give away who it was, and you can probably it's probably all over the internet, obviously, it's but probably on like last week's episode of yeah yeah yeah. But it's uh it's it's good. The show's good. I'm I'm really enjoying it, and then. Uh, Another show that I've watched lately is uh, The Last Man on Earth. Uh, season two premiered, and have either of you guys watched the last season? I've mm-hmm. caught bits and pieces of it, and it's intriguing enough for me to maybe if it is it on Netflix. It is on Hulu Plus. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Well, I'm not going to pay for Hulu, but if it ends up on <laughs> uh, Netflix, I it's I've seen bits and pieces that would make me curious to watch it. So it's 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 the most unique comedy that's on network TV now, right? Um, without a doubt. Um, first season kind of kind of didn't overstay its welcome, but it overdid its shtick a little bit. Um, and season two so far in the first two episodes is kind of, uh, equalizing itself and, and doing a unique, uh, kind of, kind of a fun thing. It's, it's branching out a little bit. And then finally, uh, first two episodes of family guy has been fun. It's good background. It's, background noise. Basically. Yeah. I've watched them too. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not stellar, but it's yeah. family guy. It's, yeah, it's entertaining. It's, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> I did. Did you watch this week's episode? Yeah. The Tom Cruise stuff was great. <laughs> I, was I, really, I, I loved it. It was, it was really funny. The tiny Tom Cruise stuff. Yeah. Was really funny. <laughs> um, need somebody to run really intensely with your arms flapping like this. I'm your man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, it was goofy. It was goofy, funny. Um, and then finally, I, I guess I can go ahead and bring this up. Have, did either one of you watch better call Saul? Season one? No, but listening to your your guys' discussion about it last week kind of makes me want to go watch it now. Uh, did you did you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah okay, I loved it. Um, me too. I loved Breaking Bad. Uh, Better Call Saul is is a unique show. It's uh, I I talked I heaped praise upon the first episode, um, the the premiere 
uh, on last week's podcast. And, uh, and you know, it's, it was really fun, but I felt like by the time I reached the, it was 10 episodes a season. By the time I reached the ninth episode, it felt like it was still trying to figure out what show it is. Um, which nine episodes, that's way too long. Um, I'm surprised it was that, that little short of a season. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I it, that worked in its favor somewhat. Are they hour long or the half hour long? Uh, forty five minutes. Hour 45 long. Forty five minutes. Yeah, it's uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know if I'll watch season two, but it's, I mean, it's it's got some cool quirky humor because Saul Goodman is is a really fun character, right. obviously, and Bob Odenkirk has owned him, uh, really well. And, but there's there's other things like there's there's a whole there's a whole subplot involving his brother. Who's a who's an attorney, who is taking a leave from um, from his firm that Bob Odenkirk's I think love interest works at. Um, but she he's he's like a partner at this firm, but he's he's got this medical condition or something where it's literally said that he's um, that they refer to it as he's allergic to electricity, and it's so it's it takes way too long to he, i i can't buy into it Jamie fox had that problem in spider-man too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it, it 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 took too long to really get going or do anything different and it was just kind of a and they cast michael mckean as as his brother in the show and i felt like throughout most of the season it was just such a waste of his talent um because he didn't really do much of anything and then there's um there's uh, some good stuff with uh, Jonathan Banks from uh, Mike from Breaking Bad, and I mean that like oh, he's he, he's back in it too. Yeah, he's in he's in like every episode. He has one episode where, and that's another thing. It, he has one episode where where they basically showcase his backstory and, and they kind of really talk about how he gets to how he got from uh, Philadelphia to to Albuquerque and all that stuff. And it's I mean it's a really well done episode, but it, it, I don't. That's a I think that's episode six, and I'm like this, I don't know what show this belongs right. in. Right. Because we don't get any more of his backstory or anything like that. This is a the show is about Better Call is about Saul Goodman, Jimmy McGill in this in this series, and it's it just felt just so anachronistic. Like none of the pieces really fit together. It just kind of felt like it was just confused about it once what it wants to be. One at one point, it's a kind of a a drama about a, a struggling attorney who's trying to be you know um, trying trying to trying to make ends meet i guess at other times it's about this quirky this quirky scummy kind of lawyer who's who's uh taking care of his kind of goofy not goofy but kind of kind of strange brother with his the strange ailment and it's just it just bounces back and forth between just so many things and it's just i almost lost patience with it so funny thing about jonathan banks uh oddly plays the uh voice of commissioner gordon in the new batman game Really? really? Yeah, it caught me off guard. I was I was huh. playing. I, I started the game a couple weeks ago, and I'm playing. It, I'm like, God, that sounds like Mike from uh, Breaking Bad. So I get on IMDb. And I'm like, huh. that's so random. Huh. Like, oh, yeah, he has such an Gordon. awesome voice for that. Awesome too. cop voice. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah. Works. it works. It huh. works. So. Oh, that's fantastic. Cool. Um, so yeah, so that's Better Call Saul. It's uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. It's yeah. Um, all right, so that about does it. Next week, we're going to do something a little different. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Tiny and I are going to basically. <laughs> I don't know if this is. I don't know if this is a good idea or whatever. In fact, because you can be kind of like our. We can get a reaction for you. Uh, uh, what, what focus group? Be a focus yeah, group. yeah. <laughs> so basically, 
Next week, what we're going to do, in, in lieu of a topic, we're going to basically, we've assigned a number to each other, and we're going to watch the that number on our Netflix queue. And now I'm saying it out loud. It sounds ridiculous. But so we're just going to review so. two things on Netflix. That's just number 101 on our Netflix queues. Mine is The Crow, which I haven't seen yet. And Tiny, what's yours? Uh, it's a documentary called The Source Family. Uh, of course it is. It's weird. It's <laughs> a documentary. Yeah, yeah. that's weird. Uh, as your focus group, I, I think that's a great idea. Sweet. I, I like it. Yeah. I like nice. it a lot. So we'll see. It's because it's because uh, yeah I, yeah I don't want to get too inside baseball about it, but it's you know it's just something different that we kind of want to spice it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, I think I'm also going to for potpourri watch a few of the new uh, TV shows, the pilots at least. I I have a list. I'm, I'm hopefully I'll have all these to report on next week. But I'm gonna, I'm going to watch the pilot of Quantico. Minority Report. Ugh. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, grandfathered, Scream Queens, and The Grinder. I'm going to tell you right um, now, I watched the last 15 minutes of uh, Minority Report because it was uh, <laughs> on in roll call before I went into work. <laughs> that was painful. <laughs> and that, that was the last 15 minutes of that show, and man, it was bad. Judging from what I've heard online, I, I don't think, if it's not, if it's not canceled now, it might be by the time I report on it next week. Yeah, because uh, I've heard just horrible things. But wow, too I like the movie a lot. Yeah, so we'll see. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, remember that movie you all liked 15 years ago? Well, here's a TV show, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which the movie was excellent. Yeah, I love the movie. I love yeah, the movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah. But from what I've heard, they changed it into just a cop procedural. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. So which is exactly what network TV needs right now. <laughs> exactly. Right, more exactly. <laughs> Uh, Law and order, future minority report. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we have our assignments for next week. Yeah. Tiny's going to watch The Source Family. I'm going to watch The Crow. I'm probably going to also watch The Source Family for him. No pressure or anything to watch The Crow, <laughs> Tiny. Um, I've seen it before. So. Oh, good. Uh, so, it'll be fun. So, if you if you want to, watch it and uh, come back next week and uh, listen to us talk about them. On that note, Fekus, thank you again. For, Thanks for having me. For I being on for the sixth time. Thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. Yes, yes. You uh, always add something. Yeah. Mostly Maybe not works, good. It but. sucks a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. right, right. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, we added a lot of discussion of his tattoo for an audio podcast. Is it? <laughs> we painted an audio picture. That's right. We didn't at all. <laughs> I mentioned the color. Yeah. <laughs> Best My Little Pony you've ever Uh, So on that note, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. (laughs) It's it's visual. I'll have to cut this from it, but... um... Oh my god. Matt Damon. Matt Damon, Matt Damon. The Matt Damon. That's hilarious. Sorry, Matt Damon. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at matt, 
tiny or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer and follow us on Twitter at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, obsessivebooknerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.